back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. As always, I am Aaron and joined, uh, I'm always Aaron. It never, it never stops. I'm always Aaron. I don't have an alternate, you know, secret identity or anything. So I'm not Batman. That's what you would, anyway. that's what you would say if you did have one. <laughs> and joined, uh, joining me as always is Dave and Fredo. How you doing guys? Hello. Doing, doing great. Yeah. So, so if you, if you had a secret identity, what would it be? Maybe that's an episode sometime. Create your own <laughs> secret identity. Um, but I gave it away always. I'm always Aaron. So that's uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, so, yeah. Nice weather is back in New Orleans. Hooray. Yeah. It's 70 degrees today. It's going to be 75 tomorrow. Oh, my God. You know, my Luna would just, our dog would just, she didn't want to come inside at all today. It was just laying out in the sun. And she was happy as a clam. So, um, so nice after that crud. So, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm kind of glad to say the biggest impact for my family up in Texas was a few days without power and a few days without water, but nothing anywhere near what some of the other folks out there have, are experiencing. Never mind have experienced. There are experiencing. So, you know, just kind of, Take some of the stress away when you go. Oh yeah, you know, your loved ones are okay. Yeah, yeah. My uh, again, my sister lives in Texas, and um, fortunately, she dodged so much of it. She was just inconvenienced with with snow and you know, no, uh, no, no school for a couple of days. But um, so yeah, that's that was a blessing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, anything? What? Anything else good? Good in the world that we need to discuss before we get into Star Wars goodness tonight? You know, the thirty-fifth anniversary of Zelda occurred over the weekend, and I have been playing Ocarina of Time to celebrate. So that's that's huge news right there. That's important. That's one of those games that you always know that you played, and you always have such memories of playing. And then it's amazing because it cuts across generations. So I played it. Oh. This, I mean, it came out right after, right after I graduated from college, and I know people who were playing it when they were little kids. And yeah. we can all bond over the water temple being the worst thing ever. <laughs> That's pretty much true. Yes, um, I, I played it when it came out, um, and then it sat on a shelf for twenty years, basically, because it's just those those kinds of games are such time investments, and. Uh, um, so I don't, I don't feel bad about that choice, but I'm playing it right now and I'm just like, wow, this is good, but I haven't gotten to the water temple yet. So that's, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's, that's the glories of the switch. I was talking to my sister cause I was telling her I was playing Donkey Kong. She's like, and she's like, and she said, I, I need to get a switch, but it'd only be to play Donkey Kong. I said, well, you know, you get all the, if you, if you get the online subscription, then you get all the classic nes games and snes games and she's like well well maybe i will get a switch then i mean it's like not for the new high graphic you know just uber cinematic like games but you just want to play the 8-bit things we've talked about it before it's just so much nostalgia i i honestly i never played legend of zelda uh my friends did i just wasn't one i got into when i've tried i actually tried to play it on the switch uh, the original Legend of Zelda, and I was like, at you know, forty-seven years old, going, "What the? My is going on?" 
<laughs> I just had that to stop. game I is like, so cryptic. I was really confused. There are people that are like devotees of that game and will sing its praises until the end of time. But that game is cryptic. Like you cannot, unless you're looking up the answers, you're never going to find where to bomb a wall to find a secret cavern, to find this item, to find this other secret cavern. It's just, yeah, it's it's like you play that game and it, it yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you can tell that this is, I mean, we remember when we played and we all watched uh, the Netflix series. They were doing a lot with a little, with what little they had. 8-bit was the maximum of technology they could, so they jam-packed it with a lot of stuff that would just springboard out of your imagination because that's all you could really do. I will say, though, you might want to give Ocarina Time a try because it's it's 64 bits, it's 3D world, and it's surprising how much taking it from the 8-bit sprite to the 64-bit world kind of left make them maybe take a giant leap forward. I would, And I would recommend Link to the Past, too, mm-hmm. uh, because like that game, it's not nearly as confusing. It kind of holds your hand. It tells you where you got to go next. Um, and you know, at pretty much every stage of the game, there's there's like one or two things that uh, towards the end of the game where you're like, wait, what? That was what I was supposed to do. But um, as those games go, uh, that that game's very approachable by comparison. So those are the two: Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time that I would recommend to anybody who's just starting out in Zelda. Right on. Well, okay. So now I have more homework. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> darn, you're gonna have to spend all your time playing video games. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, well, cool. Well, all right. Well, uh, tonight, uh, the topic of, uh, of, uh, concern is the, um, it, we've said the top Star Wars moments, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually interpreted this a little bit differently. I actually went the most important Star Wars moments. I think I think what we're trying to get at this isn't our, these aren't necessarily our favorites, right? They're the ones we think are the most pivotal, um, top, most important, whatever. So I guess we might get, it, but it and it we'll we'll get into how this all got started here. It was uh, Dave's, you know, Wang Dang idea, and so uh, we'll uh, <laughs> let him explain it here in a little bit. Um, but uh, and we're actually going to push trivia instead of right now, which usually would go. We're going to push it towards uh, the end. Um, so stay tuned or fast forward to trivia if that's your thing. Um, so if you're really type A and you've got to have the trivia now, fast forward, do the trivia, and then you can come back and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, but uh, but first, we, we do have, though, we have the news. So Fredo, what's what's going on? Okay, so just we'll start off with a bit of a coda to last week's discussion. Um, uh, you know, last week we all talked about Gina Carano and her firing. So Hollywood Reporter updated their story to state uh, Lucasfilm source told them that Car- the Cara Dune role on The Mandalorian is not expected to be recast, and she was not part of the December 10 presentation, nor was she engaged in negotiations for future work. Uh, this all comes from the idea that the rumor that they had wanted her to be a part of that Disney Investors Day presentation, that they pushed her off until the last minute because of some of the statements that she had been making online and social media. 
But the bigger kind of point is they're not looking to recast the role. That's just it. It's done for Caradu. Which we kind of said our piece on. We put two hours of discussion into yeah. that last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how much more we can put into it, but I kind of felt like, okay, it's if nothing else, since we approached the topic and Lucasfilm came out and followed up on it, we can just you know, kind of say, okay. I, I know we said our piece on it too, but I, I, first of all, I can see why they are not, because like I said, you know, if they're, if they're looking for, you know, bad McClunky, uh, female characters they've got them you know it, they've we've mentioned that but the other thing too is that if you keep that character going as much as i like the character and i think you could recast it it just provides oxygen for that controversy just to keep going you know it's mm-hmm. um you know there, there's a reason why you know some characters get killed off and you know uh um in certain shows and and everything just it just nope not coming back so well uh, i mean go ahead dave i was just gonna say that's usually over a contract dispute or something like that you know it's like they want more money and they're like oh nope sorry uh we got the next uh dax to take over for you you know that, that kind of thing yeah no i was gonna say because if you look over what uh, marvel did you know back in their first days they were okay with recast i mean they had to recast some roles like they recast the role of War Machine, uh, Colonel Rhodes, uh, from um, I forget who what's his name now. To, Terrence uh, Howard. Uh, yeah, Terrence Howard. Thank you to Don Cheadle. But I think that was a, a reality of no, we have to have this character, so we're okay with recasting him. Whereas you know, there been you know, they wouldn't necessarily have in this case Star Wars. They'd feel more comfortable letting the character lie, and I'm sure. They can transition whatever story points and ideas they have for had for Cara Dune to other characters yeah. in Star Wars. So I don't know if there's anything else we can kind of say. You know, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch, uh, like and try to guess like which which lines or situations might have originally been slotted for her. Um, so that'll be a fun game to play. But yeah, moving yeah. on, I guess. Yeah. Now moving on from a character leaving to a character potentially arriving. So last week's uh, Kessel Run transmissions boldly went all in. So so they, they stuck their neck out and stated that Lucasfilms was looking at actor Meta Masood to play the role of Ezra Bridger in the upcoming Ahsoka TV series for Disney+. Plus. Now, if you don't know Meta Masood, he just played Aladdin in the live-action version of Aladdin. So... Um, yeah, it's they obviously it's just a rumor, has not been confirmed by anybody, but you know, there's an expectation that Ezra is gonna come back at some point. We kind of suspected suspect some of that, but uh they're moving towards casting it now. Whether or not how true that is, it's up in the air, it's just a rumor right now. I believe he was vocal about how difficult it was for him to get roles after Aladdin. Um, and he was very justifiably upset about that because he hit, he did a good job in the role. It was a title role. Um, and then like the well dried up like right after that. And so, you know, speaking to racism in Hollywood and things of that nature, I, you know, he's made comments and, you know, I guess, uh, since he did a good job, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in that role. 
Okay, but like I guess for us, it's Rebels fans. It's like, ooh, Ezra, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and other people I've heard, uh, th- there are still people who are wanting the uh, uh, Taylor Gray. I believe so. The the kid the kid who played the voice of Ezra Brizard. There, they, a lot of fans are still hung up on this is the voice I know. And so that's the person I want to play the part, even if it was like, you know, didn't look like the character whatsoever because it's the voice. And I, that's just so interesting to me that why, why we are connected. Well, I guess not why, but that we are connected um, to the voices in an animated series, but not the appearance. Whereas it's the exact opposite in a movie. That's just kind of a, just an interesting little thing. Everybody's just like, "Oh, it's it's got to be Ashley Eckstein." It's like, well, it's, uh, great. She's a great voice. She's a great actress and everything like that. But she don't look like Ahsoka. And I, it's like we've talked about. You know, I love Darth Maul, but and put all the makeup you want to on me, I ain't gonna look like Darth Maul. You know, I mean, there's just there's some things getting in the way here. You know, I, it, you know, so I, I just find it interesting that we're hung up on the voices. And not necessarily how the what the character is and how they you know um, just rambles from an old man today. So <laughs> no, and actually I don't disagree with you. I mean, there's always kind of a, it's interesting. For example, that in Solo, when they recast you know the cast when they brought in Darth Maul back into live action, they went and got Ray Park because he's the guy who looked, but they went and got Sam Woodward because he's the guy who did the voice. Yeah, you know what, and that, and that still, and that still kind of puts me out of it a little bit at that point. When I'm like, it's like if I was to look at a picture of you, Fredo, and hear Dave's voice. It's like, even if everything is totally in sync, it's still messing with my brain. Now, I will say the thing that drove me more nuts in Rebels is when Ezra's appearance changed from like what was it, season three to season four, when he grew up to be a teenager oh, no. or whatever. Two to three. It was two to three after uh, after Twilight of the Apprentice when he cut his hair off and he's had the scars so and, um this yeah, no, whole dark no, side emo yeah but it just that threw me off more than anything so um it's kind of it also reminds me you guys know the the movie plan nine from outer space oh yeah it's it's actually i mean it's like i think universally renowned as like one of the worst movies ever made and it what? was uh bella lugosi was in it yeah and i and he died partway through the creation of that movie so they they hired a replacement and the dude looked nothing like Bela Lugosi but so their their whole um it was Ned Wood uh movie right mm-hmm. yeah and his his whole solution was to just have him put a cape over his face for the remainder of you know the second half of the movie <laughs> so um it was Bela Lugosi right am I getting all that right yeah okay so anyway Rambling reminds me of Ga- Game of Death. You remember that that movie? That oh, was yeah. a Bruce Lee movie, and it just like I swear, like once they released that footage after the fact, you know, because they had over a hundred minutes of footage, um, so they're like, let's just release it finally. <laughs> well, like, well what's... I think so. They put a guy in a mask at one point to try to make him look sort of like Bruce Lee. <laughs> now, what, what's interesting is because they had started filming Game of Death while uh, right before uh, Bruce Lee passed away, and so what they did, they not only 
got another actor who looked semi-close to Bruce Lee. Then they also wrote into the script that his character had died, faked his death, had plastic surgery and came back and that's why he didn't quite look <laughs> the same way anymore. But yeah. then on top of that, they put in actual footage of Bruce Lee's funeral, which was global news, into the movie. So they actually put you know, the, the casket and the pallbearers of Bruce Lee at his funeral into his movie because they wanted to make all this kind of connect with the audience and we were just like ah no <laughs> this is awful right. so, sorry I got it, us it off on easy. that tangent no no it's alright because it's <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks you know, you know casting characters it's not easy and particularly when we have expectations I mean shoot uh, Rosario doesn't look the part of Ahsoka but people are still pining for Ashley Eckstein and you know that you know Ezra's just wait till somebody else gets Grand Moff Tarkin and everybody starts asking for uh, Lars Mikkelsen. Uh, moving on, right? Oh, you mean, quick, no, you're, you're talking about, uh, you mean uh, Thrawn, right? Yeah, yeah no, not Tarkin. Yeah, imagine if they bring back Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> already done <laughs> that. Already done that. <laughs> They've done that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody liked it. So I did. Them. What do you mean nobody well, liked no. it? Well, no, people had issues, but point being, They'll recast it, and then people have issues with that too. So, so let's move from no, issues. No, I'm to, not uh, going to let you go on this one. I'm sorry. The, you know, the, 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 that that whole Grand Moff Tarkin thing that drives me crazy because they actually used a a sculpt a mask of Peter Cushing's face. Now you can say that it doesn't. It looks too CG and stuff like that, but it's not like they had again Aaron play Grand Moff Tarkin and try to pass it off is that they it's like they used his actual face as gross as that sounds so you know sorry I I watched it last night it on the um uncanny valley scale of uh um quality I'd say it got about an eight out of ten uh it's pretty it's pretty pretty decent job Princess Leia in that movie still bothers me um luke is like way down the scale for me but uh yeah do you think the princess leia thing i'm sorry again i'm sorry do you think the princess leia thing would be better if they didn't use carrie fisher's line from a new hope and saying hope or if they would have just had a you know the voice actor on stage say hope because i think that's the thing we know it's like i know exactly where they spliced that from and so it adds to the fakiness of it that doesn't really affect it for me to, to be honest. It's just, I, you know, the problem I love, we're going to have a discussion on rogue one again at some point here, and maybe it'll be this show, but I like this. It's such a good final 15 minutes. And then it just ends. And like, it ends with her, you know, like the Vader stuff happens. And then like we cut to the ship and then we cut to Leia and then the movie's over. <laughs> it's very abrupt, and I don't know. It's like again, I think I, we will I we will have to have we will have to have a point counterpoint uh, session yeah. on this. But we've we've totally hijacked Fredo's news segment here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I agree. so good. Well, speaking of point counterpoint, actually not not so much being point counterpoint. Uh, Tamora Morrison was doing an interview last week in New Zealand where they started talking about filming because they're filming Book of Boba Fett right now, talking about some of the challenges of filming under the pandemic restrictions, shoot, you know, shooting stuff in the uh, in the studio, uh, 
forget the name of the sale the, the set they have. Yeah, the volume. They mentioned that he's forming a he's forming a band with uh, Robert Rodriguez, who's filming the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, called they're gonna form a band called Boba Fett and the Strum Troopers. Uh, so it's gonna be a cover band at first. But the bigger point of news that he kind of revealed is right now the rumor is that it's only gonna be four episodes long. Now there's nothing official on it. Uh, you know, there Favreau, Filoni, Robert Rodriguez are producing. Actually, I stand back. There's no word yet on who's directing any of the episodes, although it's suspected that Rodriguez will do at least one, which kind of makes he's sense. Defi- he's definitely producing, right? He's a he's definitely involved. I mean, after yeah. after his episode on the Mandalorian season two, he's definitely involved. Uh, but I think that's kind of the bigger deal. Is the rumor that it's only going to be four episodes over the Christmas holiday? That's your book of Boba Fett. Well, as long as those things aren't thirty minutes long, then we'll be fine. If it, you know, if it's you know. An hour, 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour, then I'm okay. Because, you know, then, then it's like, you're getting a movie length thing. But if you're, I guess, even if it's a half hour long, it's still two hours. It's a decent movie. So never mind. I, I, I withdraw my complaint. As long as it's a good story, I don't care. No, because, because I was just thinking the reason I bring it up, because when you start thinking one division is happening right now, and I'm sure we can talk about it in just a moment, if we want to, we're going to head into winter, uh, Falcon and winter soldier right after that's going to spill into Loki. So all of a sudden, it feels like Book of Boba Fett is going to be the thing over the holidays. And then right after, you know, maybe uh, Bad Batch or something else. Seems like seems like Disney Plus is developing this kind of a train mentality where, oh, you're done. Okay, here comes the next train. And you're done. Here comes the next train. You know, Tamara Morrison has to be like the happiest guy on the planet right now, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Be a I mean, pretty sweet gig. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news. Actually, I have one more bit of news, but last bit of news. And this goes again to uh, Aaron's favorite topic, which is Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> uh, Disney Information Station apparently reported that their Disney have filed three patents for technology associated with the hotel experience. So the first one's going to be for image generation using a spinning display and blur screen, so a hologram. So the idea is that they're going to be uh, spinning display. Image may appear to be floating in space. Second patent covers a large-scale infinity optics window for use in small facility packaging applications. It's so that's going to be... Small facility package? What? It basically, it's gonna, each room's going to have a window that offers guests a view into space. So rather than having like a TV or a painting, you're going to have infinity optics window that's going to be mounted and it's going to provide the infinity effect of being in space. So when you're in your Star Wars cell, at least you have a fake look into space. Yeah, okay. This is all, if you're claustrophobic, you're going to love the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> the final patent is for a themed aerial vehicle entertainment platform for providing dynamically coordinated show. So they suggest that this could be something akin to the X-Wing that flew, that flew over the opening week media event for Galaxy's Edge. So maybe you're in the cockpit and all of a sudden X-Wings are flying above your head, that kind of thing. So again, it's all, it's all trying to sell the immersion. So I, I'm, I, again, I, I know I've, I'm, I got to check my Star Wars card at the door, I suppose. My Star Wars fan card at the door. But it, it, This sounds like just nothing I want to be a part of. I mean... 
Mm-hmm. Oh, if if I had if if I had uh if I had kids, and if the Galactic Star Cruiser wasn't also attached to Disney, because that dang thing is going to cost you, and you got to be impressed that I just kept myself from swearing there. But that dang thing is going to cost what, like, what was it, three thousand bucks, something like that? Minimum. Minimum. You know? I mean, if, I mean, they're filing patents. And for then new you gotta, then you gotta. If you know, it's like you're right next door to Disney, so you're gonna fork over more. Where you're actually in Disney, it's like you can't say that. Uh, no, kids, we're gonna go to the quick shop right next to Disney World, and we're not gonna get in. You know, it's it's just, man, I don't know. It doesn't. Well, just imagine, just just you guys have both been to disney recently and it sounds claustrophobic i mean the whole thing just sounds like i said it sounds like a prison ship <laughs> but just i mean you know what the cost are for staying in campus on campus in on the ground so staying in one of their resorts having to get the meal package because you can't bring in food you can't pop out to go i mean even in this one, I mean, in some of I will resort, tell you that everything that you're, everything you're laying out there about, you know, staying yeah. on property and getting the meal package and like Brittany this and I bigger. going, that uh, this is, I mean, yeah, it, we're you're spending a lot more money to go to the Galactic Cruiser, and mm-hmm. it doesn't even, it's I, sorry because yeah, the whole point is the immersion. I'm you sorry, I can call it, I can call up my friends to come over and dressed up as Darth Vader and make me feel like I'm immersed in Star Wars, and it <laughs> won't cost three thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, you know, imagine you're the you know the Galactic Star Cruiser and some families probably passing by with bags from McDonald's. That bursts the immersion immediately. <laughs> you can't have McDonald's so, in Star Wars? Right, well, is there McDonald's in Star Wars? Oh, have you not said I mean have you yes just the what is it? The the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. Isn't that what uh, our you know former uh, defense secretary once said? Um, so they're very where they very well could be McDonald's and Star Wars. You don't know. We're having a very pulp fiction conversation right now. You know, it, it really does. It, well, it calls to mind a, a big question because it's like you're you're talking several thousand dollars, something like this, right? And there's going to be people who will pony up. And 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 in their wisdom will be like, I want to bring McDonald's into the into the main area and eat my McDonald's. I want my McRib. And then there are going to be other people Sick. who, like you said, they're not they're not going to break the immersion at all. They don't they don't want to see that McDonald's wrapper. You know, they just are like I don't want the. So how do you reconcile those two things? Um, and I think like. I don't know if they've. I haven't read enough. Do they have plans to connect it to Batu directly? There, I there, there, there were no utensils in in medieval yeah, times. Exactly. Therefore, there are no utensils at medieval times. Oh, but there Would was Diet like Coke. Read, yeah, no Pepsi. Did you not? Read yeah. No, I think there's a there's a plan on it. Look, the, the reason I also bring it up is because the articles of states they're looking to launch this sometime this year. Well, that's the next big thing they're opening up at Disney World Orlando. Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of of Disney World this year, so it makes sense for it to be this year. I I just I'm sorry, it doesn't it does not appeal to me in the least bit. It just it sounds at that okay. And again, if I had kids, it might be different. It'd be like okay, kids, instead of going to college, I'm going to take you, you know, to the Galactic Star Cruiser. But I mean, if I was, first of all, if I was to go now as a Star Wars fan, I'd feel like a creepy old man. 
Um, it also sounds like it's going to be, it seems small and there's going to be tons of people. And how immersive is that going to be when you have a screaming, you know, screaming family yelling at each other, <laughs> you know, and it's like, or, right. or here's can the, here's I, can I bring, can I bring in my, you know, my, uh, my flagon of spotchka so I can, you know, no, it's not James. Yeah. It's Jameson spotchka. Yeah. That's what it is. You know, I mean. So I don't know. The whole thing just sounds. Meh. I had a random hypothetical though. Like, what if the the like the front of the hotel? Hey, don't take my shtick. I'm a, I'm the random hypothetical <laughs> on this show. Uh, like, Go let's ahead, Dave. Say, <laughs> let's say the like the the beginning sequence to staying here is you pass through a customs situation like we saw in Solo. Mm-hmm. And then they like whisk you around and then they put take you on some kind of a virtual ride, which simulates you taking a shuttle out to the space station or whatever. And then you land and then you, they take you to your room and everything else. And it's fully immersive. Would you would you be down potentially no. for something like that? No. no. No, because again, and, and it's again, it's also because I when I go to Disney World, it's not just for star wars stuff i love the star wars stuff that's there but i mean it's it's all the disney stuff so now i would say that if this was if if galaxy's edge and the star cruiser whatever galactic star cruiser prison ship thing if it was not part of disney world if it was like you know let's say in you know i don't know somewhere in arkansas you know, just, just not, not on Disney property. And it wasn't, you know, cause again, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's. I think to it, me, it, 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 it just seems like it is such, I don't know if it's going to go well for them because that, because it's so expensive to go to Disney world in the first place. And then if you want to even, it's, your families are going to have to choose between, you know, one or the other except for the rare families that can do both, you know, I don't know. It just sounds like a bad idea. Well, and that's, and that's kind of the point I was going to make was just simply that it'd be all right. If you could, if the prize included, okay, you're going to be in the star cruiser, but then you could spend a few days at the other parks. I mean, you're going to be spending a lot of money and re restricting yourself. That's the bigger point. It's, you know, you're not going to be going to, uh, Hollywood Studios. You're gonna be going to no, oh, because you're in Star you're Wars be... prison. You're in Star Wars prison. That's what it is. I mean, as as fun as Star Wars prison would be, it'd be like you're. I'm. It, yeah. No, you can't go. I don't anywhere. know. I don't know. Have you ever noticed most prisons in the Star Wars universe suck? You know, it's funny though because like if there's a market for it, they'll find out. Because like when when I went last year, like they're gosh, there was like this luxury shopping slash dining area. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was like some of your meal plan uh, would apply to some of the restaurants there, but not all. Um, we ended up going there for like one nice meal. And I'm just, while we're there, I'm thinking, why would you come to Disney World and then hang out here the whole time? And it's like, there are wealthy people who well, have no interest in the rides. And here's and here's the other thing. If I now this might be different, Fredo. If I was a if I lived in the state of Florida and especially like in the Orlando area, and I had a you know season pass or whatever, 
where, you know, I could just, I, people then that's when they just go to like one park and ride like two rides and go home, you know? And so then I could see that, yeah, okay, I'll, this, this, our vacation is to go do the Galactic Star Cruiser because I can go to Disney World any day of the week, you know, and, you know, it's whatever. Um, I don't know. Uh, but since it's like an event for Brittany and I to go to Disney World, it's an event for Dave and Kate to take the kids to Disney World. You know, it's, you, you, it, I don't know. I, I just think it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's probably going to play to the very rich or the people who live in Florida that can, you know, just, they, they don't give a rat's butt about Disney. They just want to go do the Star Wars thing. Well, uh, we'll, we'll move on, but yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. I'll just finish up by saying, you know, you can't really bet against Disney when it comes to money. They spend a lot of money because they know they're going to get it back in truckloads. If there's, if they're literally filing patents on new tech, they seem they're they're going all in on this sucker. But you're right. In order to get profit out of that back, they're going to be spending. I bet they're going to have to be demanding money back. In I would bet loads. ten ten years from now, it becomes the coolest ride as part of Galaxy's Edge, and it's no longer a hotel. I bet it becomes. I bet it becomes refurbished into some sort of. You know, they use all that immersion for something else because nobody wants to like stay in Star Wars prison. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Move on. So no, last bit of news, and this one's happy one. Happy birthday to Anthony Daniels. Yeah. So he had his birthday two days ago. Uh, celebrated seventy fifth uh, birthday. So happy, happy birthday, birthday to C three PO. Yeah. And with that, we're done. <laughs> that was the longest news segment we've ever had right on several it wasn't, it wasn't even news it was more count the count the tangents that we all went on um <laughs> so tonight dave you want to I, I said it was your wang dang idea no i didn't mean to sound like a you know snarkiness or anything but uh but you 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 you, you purchased something that is uh, uh kind of made you think about what our topic should be tonight so you want to tell people what that yeah. is so yeah absolutely so i uh was at the drugstore the other day and i was just like oh look there's a there's a magazine with star wars on the cover what's this all about and it was a uh, special time edition um which is, is essentially about 100 pages of uh like a special issue dedicated solely to star wars where it collected a lot of their past writings so instead of gummy um, bears dave got a star wars magazine while waiting in line exactly yeah and uh um it's on stay uh it's on newsstands now everybody so if uh that sort of thing appeals to you uh you, you know you could probably find it at your local drugstore but uh, one of the articles in the magazine was was uh, let me get the exact phraseology here because we were we were fumbling over this earlier. The forty greatest moments in Star Wars, and they limited it to the original trilogy, the the prequels, the sequels, and Rogue One and Solo. So basically, the major film releases that weren't the Clone Wars. <laughs> if you could call that one a major film release and i don't know you know i don't know how we define that but uh so they had this top 40 i thought it was interesting i read through it 
There were many selections within it I agreed with. There were many I disagreed with. Um, and I thought, well, you know what? Let's maybe let's all name our own greatest moments and see if our list ends up looking better or worse than theirs. See, and that's why I took, uh, you know, I, I guess I interpreted our discussion. I, I The way I'm focused, my list was on the most important moments because, you know, when you say greatest or favorite, you know, that's awfully subjective. It's like, I, you know, I, I really like, you know, pizza. Well, there's, you know, no nutritional, you know, redeeming value to pizza whatsoever but i just like pizza because it tastes good you know what i mean it's or you know or i like this pizza better than that pizza well why well why not you know so so i tried to make it a little bit more objective as to what the the thing that i picked what was it doing to the overall story and because there are a lot of cool moments there are a lot of my favorite moments you know but they're just kind of throwaway things that you know i enjoy but Mm -hmm. really didn't need to be in there. So I don't know. Did anybody, how did you guys approach this? Uh, I actually, I went the other way. I kind of went favorite, but, but in there, I, I could, it, it's impossible to avoid some of the bigger, more uh, important moments. Like it's, there's some of them are just intertwined. You can't separate one from the other, but then I also put in a few moments and I kind of went, Oh, this is like fun just for me. So cool. Yeah, it was a bit of a mix for me as well. Um, Like you said, I I don't think you can help but like gravitate towards the ones that are most impactful or or seemingly most important. Um, But still, I I just listed the ones that spoke to me in particular. So, and we're uh, we're gonna do we're each gonna do five, and then we might give some you know honorable mentions quickly. You know. Maybe Dave, not all thirteen of your honorable mentions, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so Fredo, let's start with you. What is uh, and, and by the way, with each one that we go around, Dave's going to say, "Did it make their list?" Um, so Fredo, what was the first one you want to lead off with? And okay, by the way, when I go, I'm not giving in any particular order. From yeah, you know, it's just these. This made my list. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of the same thing for me. I, there was no way I could put, I wasn't going to rank them because it's impossible. Uh, so first moment I kind of went with was, and it's the first one that kind of popped in my head, was Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp in Empire Strikes Back. You know, I think I've mentioned this moment a couple of times already. I know we mentioned it when we're talking musical cues, when we discussed that part a few months back. It's just, it's one of those perfect moments when the whole the idea of being a teacher, of uh, the lesson that Yoda's trying to impart to Luke, Luke's reticence and kind of hard-headedness, and then just simply, just Yoda just kind of going quietly and showing you the full power of the Force that he can wield. See, and that's like the that. thing. That's the thing. That's and that's why we all picked like about ten because somebody's going to take mm-hmm. one. You because that that was on my list as well, and it wasn't about the musical cue or anything. Which it's a great musical cue. Nothing about that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was the first time that we saw how powerful the Force was. I mean, Obi Wan tells us that it's powerful in you know A New Hope, but we really you don't see anything. You know, at the beginning of Empire, you get Luke moving his lightsaber, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then Yoda just, this little Muppet just moved an entire flipping X-Wing. It's like, holy crud. I mean, so, mm-hmm. 
that's when it really hits you that okay this this force thing is as powerful as yoda's been talking about yeah so i agree with you on that one that finished number four in their list number four of the 40 greatest moments so So, good to know so dave what was the one on your list um i'm gonna go uh yeah, I'll go a little bit out of order. I actually did rank them, but I want to make sure that a few of these make our list. Um, so um, I'm going to go with Luke marching out to meet Kylo in The Last Jedi. And again, like we always talk about the score and how that tends to elevate um most of the amazing scenes that we've seen in star Wars. And it's like John Williams is a God and we've gone over that, but um, I don't think again, this moment is a great example of that because his, his work in this moment is amazing. Um, But I don't want to undersell the acting that we saw from Mark and Carrie uh, and Adam uh, in this whole sequence. And um. I love the moment because it's it's so fun because Luke predicted this. It's like, what am I going to face the entire First Order with my laser sword? It's like, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what you're going to do. Which, and watching... Which, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, by the way, it drives me crazy that he says laser sword. <laughs> it drives me absolutely nuts. and Like father, like son. Ugh. It, it, uh, sorry that that's one thing I think, that takes me I out think of he that does hole. it to be yeah but I think he does it to be dismissive of the idea exactly like he's not he's not even bestowing the level of importance as, yeah my you know a Jedi Knight or a Jedi Master with his lightsaber no it's like yeah some yokel with a laser sword is gonna go out there and yeah. like no he's making fun of the very idea and then, he... to, and then to watch him do it <laughs> is just completely stupefying. So, and I know that a lot of fans really wanted in this movie to see Luke sort of maintain this um, pacifism wisdom that he displayed at the end of Return of the Jedi. And I know a lot of other fans wanted to see him do something awe-inspiring, like this master Jedi move that would just, you know, blow them away and show how powerful he is. And like for me, this sequence threaded that needle. Like it 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 accomplished both of those things. Um and like if you add that on top of the fact that it was just like hilarious that they, that they set it up and then here we go, it's it's happening now. I just I I I I love this scene. It's one of my favorite scenes of the the whole new canon so did that make the uh time list um let me go check now i don't think so i don't think it made it at all so that's disappointing yeah all right we'll uh we'll leave the uh author of the uh the article leave his contact information or his or her contact information (laughs) well you know they did the um they did the whole we polled you know, everybody on staff kind of thing. So no one would get too much blame. Well, I'm going to shock you with my first one, guys. And by the way, is these are, you said, greatest moments, right? 
Um, mm -hmm. And this, this is actually moments. just a moment because the rest of the scene actually kind of bothers me. But um, Revenge of the Sith, um, Vader gets his helmet. And, and the reason why I said this is one of the, and I was using the term important is because this is when Anakin totally loses his humanity and becomes more machine than man, you know, but it's when that helmet kicks on and there's just that pause and then the breath, you know, um, the scuba, the scuba breath that that's a very important moment because it, it's, this is when Anakin ceases to be you know there was still a, anakin was still there burning on you know on the shore of the lava river um he was still uh, you know he was still anakin laying on the slab even though yes he's darth vader whatever but he loses he i mean visibly loses his humanity with that helmet coming on and i think that's a very important uh part of all three I was just going to say, and it's the one time we actually get to see his point of view as the helmet's being descended and the little eye visors flip open. Yeah. And you get to see just for a moment what, how he sees the world. The rest of that scene is garbage, but, uh, yeah. but, but that, that, that moment is so very important. So very important. The, the little, the little detail of his first breath, like blowing the wisps of smoke outward. This is such a great detail, and I know a lot of fans have pointed that out over the years. Um, but number number nineteen, it made the list uh, at number nineteen. You know, the other thing is that that scene it's so intimate as well. That moment, anyway, because you're right up next to the helmet, it fills the entire screen. It's kind of like I mean, it's kind of like when we went and saw Les Mis, you know, the movie version of Les Mis, and like a lot of um, Anne Hathaway's stuff was when she was singing her um her uh her piece um it was like extreme close-up and i felt so like i was invading her personal space like i i'm i'm in the way here and that's kind of the way you feel in revenge of the sith at that moment because vader's helmet is like I said filling the entire screen so it's really intimate as well but uh yeah so that's revenge of the sith was my first one guys <laughs> Well, I guess for my next one, I'll go. I'll keep the Vader train going, so to speak, and I'll go with uh, the hallway scene in Rogue One. Because, and I'm sure it's on everybody's list. There's no way it's not on that list of yours, Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it, we have always, I mean, Darth Vader at his apex, just cutting loose, being the threat, the menace that we all knew him to be. Well, it's a sight to see, and uh, you know we'd seen it in video games, we'd seen it in comic books, but seeing it live on the big screen in a way in which we had, I think there's a reason why, it, even though it totally has little to do with the plot, our our heroes are gone, the story's basically reached its end, but putting that moment just kind of took Rogue One from like a nine and a half to a ten. I agree wholeheartedly, and the thing that would have made it better is if we hadn't have seen Vader at any other point in that movie. Up until you just hear the breathing, that would have made everybody wet their pants. I mean, it just. <laughs> um, but but since we saw him interact with Krennic, and since we saw his star destroyer come into, you know, saw him looking out the window of a star destroyer, we're kind of 
it's kind of blunted a little bit, but I, I, I agree with everything you just said. I just think if it would have been better if that would have been the first thing, you know, Tarkin could have said, you know, Vader is going to take care of it. And we see a star destroyer come in. We're like, Oh, is that Vader? And then we see the shuttle. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see Vader at all until the lightsaber, you know, ignites. That would have been just, that would have been cool. You mean no aspirations? No, the aspirations as well. Uh, uh, oh, you mean? Uh, I'm the sorry. The uh, I'm sorry. The yeah. The the Krennic joke. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was number three in times list. Number three overall. So, um, next for me, I'm gonna go with. Uh, it's a trap. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Above and beyond the fact that it has become a meme, you know, and, uh, you know, the famous delivery from Akbar. Um, I've, I've, I've often felt that Star Wars is, is, is usually at its best when you see the writing on the wall and the characters don't. Because they milk the tension and the drama out of that and... And the tragedy you see unfolding before your eyes and it kind of makes you twist in your seat a little bit. Oh gosh, this is crushing. And yet you can't look away. Um, so many, so much of the prequels, when the prequels were working, it was because of that factor, right? Um, and I think like the same thing is kind of at play here. The emperor has told us like, you're walking into a trap, you have no chance. And then... Boom. You know, the score kicks in. Uh, we see the fleet fly into it and um, and it's just brilliance. It's just, I, I just love it so much. It, it, it was a scene that always spoke to me as a kid. It still speaks to me as an adult. Um, and I pretty much love everything about it. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I still wish, wish that um, Old Miss would have gotten Admiral Akbar as their... Uh new mascot i I would have had a jersey uh, hands down um so my my next one uh, i've mentioned it before on the podcast and it is uh, from episode seven and it is um han confirming everything about the jedi and the sith and the force and if it was any other character it would not have been as important or as impactful but the fact that it was han solo saying confirming that the Jedi were real, the Sith were real, that the force is a real thing um, was I'll never forget when I saw that in the trailer. And I was like, Holy, I mean, they'd saved that for the trailer. And I was just like, that was the, of all the cool things you were seeing um, that moment just made me go, Oh my God, they had Han Solo do that. Um, and I just thought it was genius. I thought it was genius. And, um, but it's so important to the sequel trilogy because you know, it then pushes Ray, you know, further into the, you know, down her hero's journey, you know, because it's a plot you know, it's a plausible path. So anyway. Well, Aaron, that, uh, that didn't make the list, but Chewie were home with the other line that came from the trailer. So, so they, um, so they went, they went with things that are just really, that made you, you know, they went with really they were neat yeah. things yeah okay <laughs> well that was that was number 34 and i actually want to circle back i it's a trap made it at number 11 
It's a trap. It was a number 11. I was going to say, because that moment made my list for my list as well, uh, Aaron, at least in my honorable mentions. Just it's like, because there was something to hearing Han Solo, whom you remember from episode four, laughing the whole idea off, just kind of getting a moment, just getting pensive, like, like really, you know, considering all he had experienced and then telling, sharing it with, uh, Finn and with Ray that no no everything you heard yeah it really happened it's not just it's, it's some craziness you know here in New Orleans everybody's got a ghost story but yep. it, it you know the ghost stories that mean the most are the people who you who were skeptics to start with you know and then all of a sudden they have a haunting that it's like you know changes everything and they're like oh my god you know I used to think that this was a bunch of crud and then this happened those you lend more credence to than you know your crazy aunt who is you know sees a different ghost every other day and you know you know what i mean so yeah it was to have han solo do it was was incredible so anyway and was... I, you know aaron i agree with you too about this one this moment being a little more uh impactful than the chewy were home line because the chewy were home line I, again, oh, chewy were I home line to... was a home run that was awesome mm-hmm. Yeah. I go back to those I go back to those trailers. That was a major moment for a lot of people. But the third trailer, the the Force Awakens trailer where Han is standing there explaining um the the nature of the Force, it's real, all of it. Um it's like chilling dude yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry like that did it for me in a major way like chewy were home i was like eh, at the time a lot of people went nuts for it and i understand why but um this that moment of the skeptic being converted is really great so fredo you said it was your uh, honorable mention so get one that yeah. wasn't on the list okay actually i was surprised because i thought you were gonna go for this moment from the force awakens and you know which one it is it's your favorite moment it's the one when the lightsaber flies through the air into Ray's hand. Yeah, that's that's on my list. I, that, I was like, that is a stand up that is, that is a stand up and cheer moment. And you know, I'm sorry, that's uh, I mean, that's Captain America literal, getting getting the hammer. You know, uh, it is the literal passing of the torch to the next generation. Yeah, you couldn't have you couldn't have that miss that uh and that metaphor any harder and it was and the 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 thing was it was it was to a woman Mm -hmm. and that's what Mm -hmm. i think was even more it it was just like you know it was just like yeah right on okay to all you incel net nerds you know middle finger right up you know in into Mm -hmm. your face um so that that i i agree yeah that was on my list yes yes (laughs) that's what i was like when i heard force workers i'm like i'm sure he's saying this one because not only have you spoken for your love for it, but I, you know, there's so, you know, there's moments that kind of land in so many ways, and that one just hit on every way imaginable, story-wise, culture-wise, you know, to the fan base, to the neutral. I mean, I'm, I'm still remembering going to see uh, to the Baby Cakes games when you were for Star Wars nights and the little girls dressed as Ray coming up to you. It was a, the most adorable thing, but. You know, Aaron couldn't see anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so he had to see the pictures after the fact. But you know, just the impact that that uh, movie did, and just that moment, just in terms of what it meant. So, that's why. That that made the list uh, at number thirteen. Look at number thirteen. For some, and for a similar reason, you know, it opened up 
the possibility of being a Jedi to little girls everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. they hadn't really had that. I mean, you, you had your background characters in the prequels. But... Uh, and, and yeah, you had Ahsoka and you had other characters yeah. like that. But putting it live front and center in a movie mm-hmm. screen yeah. took it to another level. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, my next one is uh, I Love You. I know. Um, and I think everyone knows the story at this point behind that line and, and how it was improvised on set. Um, and like, if you guys haven't, uh, I know that you guys have, but if anybody in the audience hasn't watched empire of dreams, like we will constantly pimp that on this, on this show. Do you like, yeah, go back and watch that documentary about the making of star Wars. Um, they had a nice little, uh, back and forth about that moment in that documentary. But um, I think even if you take that little detail out about how Harrison basically came up with it on the spot, I think the scene works super organically because it, it all feels very natural. Like every, it feels in, so in character for Han Solo to be saying that. And even, you know, for me at the, at the time, the you know as a kid watching this stuff i think it gave me a different understanding of what a romance or what a relationship could look like you know because you it didn't have to be all lovey-dovey all the time it didn't have to be all saccharine you know it could it could have a little more authenticity uh, a little bit more of a realness to it and and you know then you know, then Han is frozen right after that. And I think like that's the thing that people don't necessarily think of when they think of that line. It's like this is a very emotional sequence immediately after that. He's frozen. You see Leia's face crumple mm-hmm. into just like complete anguish. And I think like this moment of him being frozen is also like the linchpin of what happens for the, like the next 40 minutes of star Wars screen time. I mean, it's, it's the motivating factor for pretty much all of our main characters going forward. Um, hugely important plot wise. And again, just an all time great line. So my, Oh, and I got to oh, tell you where that land yeah, is. Where'd too, that right? land? Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, there it is impossible to not find, merchandise with that line those two lines back to back towels we have so- those towels socks t-shirts uh <laughs> bathrobes you, you name it you can find something with i love you i know on it as number two on their wow. list oh, wow. um for mine uh my next one uh it, you know again i'm going most important to the to the stories it was uh yoda's death um and it was because at that moment, everything is taken away from Luke. He is at that instant entirely alone. Now, actually, then after, if when you go fast forward like a minute and he's talking to Ghost Ben on a log, then it kind of takes away that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, they're, but, um, 
But at that moment, when he he finds out that his you know father is the most evil person you know on in the universe, and that um, there there's another you know Skywalker, and his master you know then up and dies and disappears. Like I said, at that moment, he is entirely alone. Um, and so in that hero's journey, it's like he's got to decide: am I am I going to keep going? Or do I, you know, pack up shop, you know? And um, I think uh, that's why I think the following scene, you know, they, they, they uh, he did have a little bit of a struggle. He's like, I can't kill my own father, but it was, I, I wish that would have been more internal dialogue than, than a, a conversation with Obi-Wan at that point. But that's beside the point. But that, I mean, that's just such an important moment in this whole saga is, you know, like I said, everything is taken away from him at that point. So... Yeah, no, and it's it's uh, it's surprising because I mean the last thing that Yoda tells Luke is first of all confirms what Vader told him that he is his dad, tells him that he has to go and face him and kill him, and then tells him, oh, and by the way, there's another family member out there somewhere. Q and scene. So it's like yeah. it's like for you know if if Luke thought he was gonna get closure, that moment only has even more doubt and uncertainty upon him. I think that's why Obi-Wan had to show up and kind of straighten things out for him because if he had not had that talk with Force Ghost Obi-Wan, it would have just left everything that kind of happened up in the air. That did not make their list. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Fredo, what's next on yours? What's, uh, what's uh, number, what was what's this? Four, for you? four? Four. This is four? Okay. Uh, let's see. So... Uh, yeah, I'm looking to see uh, which one. Okay, this one's probably not in the greatest, but it's, I'm going to put it in for my own edification. And it's Chiritimwe's walk in Brian Broke One. And it's when he's walking towards the the machine that's going to trans- align the, the the needle and transmit the Death Star plants out. And all he's saying is, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. I love that moment because... There are so few instances. I mean, the Jedi is supposed to be a, a religious order of warrior monks, but yet we get so because so many reasons it's never contextualized. This is one of the few moments we actually see almost the Force as an act of faith, yeah, or mean, somebody who's following the Force as a as a faith based uh, moment. He's he's Do he's we, he's doing the Jedi Rosary at that point. Yeah, or or you know the the other thing I could compare it to is. Uh, if you remember in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when Indy has to take the leap of faith, the step forward, and uh, you know he has to come believe, and his dad's kind of whispering in the background, it's like you have to believe, you have to believe. So it's a moment of belief. It, it you know, in terms of the oral plot line, it's small, but I just it, I loved it for how you know how it got to what it was getting at. I'm sure it didn't make the list. Yeah, it did not make the list. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Dave, what's your number four? Um, use the force, Luke, from A New Hope. Um, and this wasn't very nearly my favorite moment in the saga, and I it it might still be. Um, I just I can't not feel like just a whole 
bunch of empathy for Luke in that moment and just getting wrapped up in, you know, this, this moment is like, it's a do or die. Luke has to do it. Um, the way that the score works here again, I'll go back to John Williams. Um, Luke is kind of on his own. Luke targeting computer. What's going on? You know, um, it's that moment when, when Obi-Wan just speaks to him, you know, and out of nowhere, you know, the score has been like going nuts and lasers are flying everywhere and there's bad guys. And, and then the music becomes so serene in that moment. And I think like the force theme just like echoes over the, the washes over the entire scene. And, and oh, we hear Obi-Wan's voice. And I think in that exact moment, you know that Luke's going to do it. And, and then of course Han swings in and gives him his shot. And then of course he hits it. And um, it, for me, it's just, it's pure movie perfection. I mean, it's just this visceral thrill there's nothing any particularly deep about any of it, but it just works so beautifully, and I and I love it so much. And yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's one of those moments. It's surprising because if you look at, if you listen to the score, just just the score, you can tell the moment when that happens, because it goes from bombastic action movie stuff, like the action sequence stuff. And there's almost this moment of serenity that comes and it fits the this shot on the screen, which is just the Death Star Trench and the stars just flying by. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? But uh, it really connects everything at that moment for Luke regarding his journey. And I don't think this one made their list, to be honest. Yeah, you just and, wanted you just wanted to make it clear that you weren't uh, copying off of Time Magazine's list. <laughs> no, top I mean, five like, was Time's top five. <laughs> no, I think the reason that I wanted to do this in the first place was like I'm reading through the list and then I'm like, whoa, like that's not on there, you know, that kind no. of thing. Um, this was one of those ones that didn't make their list, and I thought, oh, how did it not make that? They had the moment with Han. They talked about when Han flies in to save the day. That and, almost made, that they, almost made my list actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in that moment is great, uh, but it's that moment that immediately before that, where, where, where you hear Ben's voice that just does it for me. So, uh, so my next one is actually it's kind of a bookend, um, and it's in uh, Return of the Jedi when uh, Luke takes off Vader's helmet. And um, because for similar reasoning to when he gets his helmet, this is when Anakin regains his humanity. You know, if even for a moment, you know, yes, he's already turned, he threw the Emperor down the shaft and everything like that, but, but it's visually showing that it, it's giving him his humanity back. Um, also, musically, it is awesome. The harp playing, you know, Vader's theme um, while there's explosions and everything going on around. Um you know, so that that's really cool, but um, it's just it's very important in the overall arc of this entire saga. Again, the the whole story is the the rise and the you know the the fall and redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Now, what's kind of interesting is that it, I took when I was a senior in high school um, as an elective, I took um, movie lit. You took movie lit the first quarter, and you could make then do film comp the second one. So you learned about how movies were made, and then you you actually made movies. 
and the best teacher I ever had, probably, um, Mr. Strange. He was an English teacher, but he taught the movie lit class. And I, I just adored Mr. Strange. And I remember him going off on this scene saying he was so mad at Return of the He loved Star Wars, but he was so mad at Return of the Jedi when they take off the helmet and the most evil person in the world is this wrinkly old dude. And it just, he said it just kind of took the knees out from under... Um, uh, out from under the Vader character, and now looking at it as I want to, I want to, I want to go back to Nebraska and see if Mister Strange is still alive, and say, "Dude, you know, you're teaching me about this." I mean, that's an important, that's an important moment in that overall story of, you know, Anakin's redemption. That's getting his humanity back and taking off that mask. Um, so very, very important to the overall story. And yes, I'm thinking about uh, chasing Amy as well. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, did Mr. Strange talk to Kevin Smith ever? <laughs> okay. But anyway, so that, that was mine. I don't know. Did that make the list? That was number 10. Really? Number I'll, I'll be... My monkey. Wow. Yep. Cool. What what prize did I win? Uh, Fredo, what's, <laughs> what's the last one you're going to wow us with? Uh, last one for me, uh, I was kind of thinking about it because, you know, a lot of it's action, action, action. So I kind of went with a smaller, quieter moment. And it's when Luke reveals himself to Leia in Return of the Jedi as his brother, as her brother. Because it's surprising because it's kind of, we've, you know, he got called to adventure by seeing her recording. He's been after her and pining for her and, you know... He David got caught in this funny triangle between him, Han, and uh, and uh, Leia, and then the fact that he learns that his relationship with Leia is completely different. The the moment that he shares when he starts asking her about their mother, and she's telling him, not realizing that that's his mom too. Uh, all the other stuff. Uh, so regarding you know that that's just a, such a quiet moment because it. It kind of, it's, you know, if the moment that you just spoke about, Aaron, about uh, Vader regaining, Anakin regaining his humanity, this is kind of the moment that tells Luke, no, I have to see this through for her sake as much for my own, as much for our dad's. It's almost, it's almost a family. It's a moment of redemption for the whole family that he's got to go seek out. He's not looking for vengeance. He's not looking to destroy. He's looking to redeem. And in some ways, even he's also, without telling her, making her, you know, the heir to all the general responsibility that if he falls, she will now have to take on. Cool. Did that make the list, Dave? It did not make the list. Uh, it's all right. You'll, you'll, you'll do better next time, Fredo. Uh. <laughs> there was another one that I was thinking up, but then I went, no, no, this is more important. Dave, what's next on your list? Well, um, I think we're on the last one here, um, and it kind of ties in really well with the one that you just did, Aaron, which is Vader saving Luke from the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. And it, for me, anyway, it's kind of the emotional keystone of not only the original trilogy, but the prequels as well. I mean, the original six film saga. Incredible music moment there where it goes from the Emperor's theme just screaming to the Skywalker I, theme. Yeah, it it's so good. <laughs> and and there's just a um, 
the build, the build, the build, the build, the build, and then it culminates in him uh, doing that. And you can you can see like they cut. It's really well shot scene because they're cutting from Vader to the Emperor or back to Vader, and you can see the thought process that's going on behind that mask. And it's um, been ruined since the special editions with the no. That's no. that's why it's, that's the one change. That is the one special edition change that I can't tolerate. Oh, it's like, awful. Every, because it's this awful. was this was probably my favorite movie or or favorite moment, one of the favorite moments for me in the entire saga. Like I said, it's the emotional touchstone of everything. This and is the didn't, culmination. You didn't need him saying no, did you? No. 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 It, no. <laughs> I, you know, and it's what's fun about this is it gives me a chance to talk about another scene, even though we're going to do our other ones coming up. But uh, the moment of Anakin's confession to killing the sand people in Attack of the Clones is kind of like the companion scene to this scene because those two scenes tell Anakin's story, which is what the saga was all about before they made seven, eight, nine. Now I'm you know, maybe that's going to be an episode. What 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 does the saga mean now? But um, I think like that's those are the emotional core of the entire saga. It's like that scene where he confesses to murdering the Sand People, and then this moment. It's like we saw the fall, and now we see the redemption. So that, and it makes me makes me emotional every time. Did that make times list? Uh yeah, it was number twelve. Number 12. So my last one, I'm going to surprise you again. This one uh, also comes from Revenge of the Sith, and it's when Anakin and Padme are talking on the balcony and she's brushing her hair and reminiscing about Naboo. No, that, that wasn't my choice. <laughs> nowhere near it. Just nowhere near it. Uh, sorry. No, my last one actually that I'm going to pick is uh, Anakin leaving home in The Phantom Menace. Um, oh. most important moment probably in the entire saga because if, if he stays with Shmi, then none of this happens. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's a lesson to, you know, we make decisions and the, you know, the domino effect, you know, again, if he, if he would have stayed, um, there and just worked in Watto's shop, none of this probably would ever happen. So, um, that's a, and the, the whole the whole scene between him and Shmi was just heart wrenching. And I mean, it's, it's bad enough when a kid, you know, graduates high school and is going off to college and, you know, parents have the empty nest syndrome. Imagine if you're, you know, how old's Nate right now, Dave? (laughs) Uh, Seven. You know, imagine if, you know, some stranger comes and, you know, says Nate's going to come with me and learn how to, you know, do X, Y, and Z and take some, you know, just how tough that would be for a parent. Um, you know, so that, that whole, but like that, that whole scene, it's one of the most important probably in the whole saga because nothing happens, you know, <laughs> credits. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Nah, 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 nah. So, uh, yeah. so anyway, but like I said, it's also a really, really good scene. So. Yeah. Very much. You know, I don't have a lot to add. It's, it's a great scene. Um, you know, we, we talked about that, that line. Oh, I, I don't want things to change. Um, that, you know, that's a great line. I think it, it speaks to star Wars fandom. I, I mentioned that before. And, 
um, Qui-Gon's death, you know, you pair that with this, him choosing to go, and then Qui-Gon dies, you know, two days later or whatever, um, you know, set the galaxy on a crazy path. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really good, well-done moment, really well-acted. Uh, again, you know, Lucas doesn't get much credit for being an actor's director, but that was one where he actually kind of right. And and Jake Lloyd did a great job. Dave, what, did it make the did it make the list? No, it did no, not. It's Phantom Menace, of course not. Uh, <laughs> Fredo, uh, I guess. Uh, so let's ju- let's just uh, do some. Let's just pitch some honorable mentions. We gotta get to trivia. So okay. maybe just maybe just a also. Couple. I do want you to try to guess though. That's we what I was just going to ask. The, we, the top, the top, and the. I want to know first of all. I want to know the the what was number forty. Okay. Okay. I guess number one. Well, I guess right, well, number let me, get, one. let me let me get number okay. forty. Yeah, number, number forty. 40 first number of all. forty was the trash compactor. Okay. All right. I wouldn't have guessed that. So I'm guessing number one is Twin Sons. That yeah, no. that pro- no, it wasn't really. That would have been what? my guess probably too. No. Uh, was it? Oh no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Number one's got to be Luke. I am your father, or no, it I is. am your father. No, yeah. I am your father. You're right. Damn number it. one. Yep. That the that actually I- that actually made my list. That's I mean that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me actually, the one the other one that I was thinking of putting on I can't my believe list I said was- Luke. I am your father. No, I am your yeah, father. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I was thinking of Han shooting first. Just because. Oh yeah, I don't know if that made it. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? So are, are, we in, are, are we in your honorable mentions there, Fredo? Then. Yeah, we're in honorable mentions now. Well, he has the they have the cantina, you know. That's a, a lot. That's a lot. That's a big, big yeah. movie. I mean, because yeah. you're talking. I mean, you can go in there when uh, Ben Kenobi, you know, pulls out the lightsaber and shows people that he's not the old dude. You can talk meeting Han and Chewie for the first time. You can tell. Hold on, hold on. Rewind, Han. rewind, rewind. Ben Kenobi pulls out the lightsaber and shows that he's not the old dude. Yeah. Really? Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. All right. So I stand corrected. Use the force. It did make the list. It made, but it made it really low. It was at 36. And the reason I know that is because Binary Sunset was also really low at 35. You know, but actually, um, you know, the one that I think is more important than the Binary Suns, uh, the Sunset, is actually, mm-hmm. and it was on my list as well, so in honorable mentions, is, uh, Luke, and I'm, again, I went through uh, the, the what's the important moments in the saga, and that's uh, Luke finding Owen and Baru dead. I mean, because mm-hmm. that is, that's what sets him on his hero's journey, because he was, he was resisting, oh, yeah. it's like, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, you're on your own. I'll take you to catch your bus or whatever. But that's it was that moment when you know he he you know was pushed on his uh, on his journey. So oh, the the guy, the imperial guy who won't shoot the escape pod. Hold your fire, that guy. You know he he's the most critical. Yeah. Uh, Credits. Right. They blow that thing out of the sky. It's all done. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, well, it's a fun issue. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of debate to be had there, I think, in some of these selections. Um, give so, us, yeah, give more, us a couple more honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah, just give us a couple days. Uh, yeah. You all go ahead, because I'll probably okay. read I've, I've already barked uh, out a couple, so. Uh, a couple more honorable mentions than just for me. Uh, 
I'm I'm predicting the Obi Wan versus Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. We talked about it the other day about in terms of duels. Uh, and this one, okay, so this one has no, no value whatsoever. It's just fan moment for me. And we're probably gonna the only time we're gonna mention Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker when you got Ray and Finn and Poe talking when they get back from their mission to confirm that Palpatine's back. It's just a little bit of banter between the three of them. And it's the only time that I ever felt that those three characters connected as friends in the way that Han and Luke and Leia did. And it's just there for a moment and then it's gone. But I don't know. Actually, no. Right, that's one that's one good thing, Rice Skywalker did for those characters, because it never felt like we got to go three of those characters together enough in the sequel trilogy. You know, so that's why I, I liked it, but Again, it's not nowhere near, I mean, uh, trash compactor, I mean, or anything like that. Another, uh, another honorable mention for me was uh, is the scene that I, I thought was really, really cool when I first saw Empire Strikes Back. And that's when they go into the dining room and Vader is there and Han shoots at him mm. and Vader blocks, you know, the, the laser bolts with his hand. You're like, holy, what? You know, and you see the <laughs> gun go flying. I remember I reenacted that with my action figures as much as I could every time I would play. It's just, it was such a cool scene. Not, I mean, again, the importance of it. No, it's not really important. So it really didn't make my list. But if we're talking about things that like kind of geeked us out, you know, that, yeah. yeah, that one was, and then of course, Boba Fett steps into the, you know, into the screen. And so it's really good. Well, then I'll run through these. I'll run through these as fast as I can. Dooku versus Yoda, Attack of the Clones, because that was such a moment for everybody when we watched that in the theaters for the first time. It's like, oh my gosh, Yoda! Uh, not from a Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. The opera speech uh, between Palpatine and uh, Anakin. Padme's ruminations, where mm-hmm. she and Anakin have that moment, glancing at one another from across the city, and you know it's going to go to uh heck very shortly thereafter i love sidious versus yoda with the senate pods coming flying down um han meeting han's meet cute with chewy uh and the train robbery both from solo i like i like both of those a lot um the rebel fleet attacking in rogue one basically the last you know half hour of rogue one um the battle of hoth that wasn't something that we really mentioned, but those walkers were impactful as anything when we were younger. Um, Luke catching the green lightsaber that are two fires up under the sky, Return of the Jedi. That, that's um, that, that's a, that's a scene that's kind of up there with the uh, Empire Strikes Back one I just mentioned. Yeah, that's we. Uh-huh. That was one you you reenacted on the playground. You know, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and then my last one would be Rey and Kylo teaming up in Last Jedi against the Praetorian Guards. I would add one more, and just simply, you're going to laugh when I say, that's not how the Force works. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good line. That's it's, a good line. It's so, so much fun. Because I love the chemistry between uh, Finn and Han. It was just perfect. Well, so then my last one, if, again, just moments that just, it, it, it was the Han and Chewie shower scene. really we couldn't just do this one at a time it was just yeah that was that was a good one from solo i didn't really i didn't really take into consideration solo and uh um rogue one um i just looked at the the saga 
Cool. All right. Well, we got we got trivia then because this 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 uh, magazine had trivia in it. So Dave's going to play trivia master, and Fredo and I are going to go head to head. Yes. What do we what do we decide? Ten questions, so five each. Yeah, yeah. I think we can do that, and then we can have a tiebreaker if we have to. Um, I'm going to wipe these the floor are, with them. So. These are going to be truer statements. True so. or false? Okay. Yeah. Always, so, always. Just, Always, always false. Never, never true. Okay. I'm looking at like numbers here to see how many are false and how many are true. Okay. I'm not going to give you any hints. Um, All right. So Aaron, I will let you go first. All right. True or false. The actor who voiced Yoda also voiced the Muppet shows. Miss Piggy. Are you, are you kidding me right now? true the answer is true of by, course by the we way by the way I, have you guys started watching the muppet show they released all all the seasons on disney plus the original oh, that, muppet yeah. show the very first muppet show miss piggy is all sorts of messed up different different voice different look it's just like a... by the way i don't know if you know but apparently today was the anniversary of the star wars muppet show episode all right on Cool. So you know when Luke appears in his uh, a Cloud City uniform and uh, the Muppet Show and R two oh, and three PO do a soft shoe, yeah, that's um, right. Cool. All right. Well. Uh, All right. Dave. Next question. You're keeping you score, right, Fredo? Okay. All right, Fredo. Pressure's on. Uh, President Obama ended a press conference once to watch a Star Wars movie. Oh come on. Uh, I'm going to go with true. It that is true. Is true. Yeah. He says, I got to go see Star Wars. It was mm-hmm. uh, episode seven, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it was episode seven. They were having a um, movie showing in the White House for service members. So, uh, Next question for Aaron. It's tied 1-1. One, one. All right. Tied. It's, like a pen- it's like a penalty shootout. George Lucas refused to include friends or family members in his casts. That's absolutely false. Very much false. His kids are in that movie. Oh, yeah. In in the prequels, yeah. Yeah, very much so. He had a lot of cameos. He's in in Revenge of the Sith, yeah. He has a cameo, yeah. Talking talking with his daughter. Yeah. And then did his character get put into Clone Wars? The big senator. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember. No, no, the episode where uh, uh, what's it, Satine and uh, and Obi Wan are trying to find out who's a conspirator trying to kill some senators during dinner. I do think that he cameoed. Um, okay, I don't know if George voiced him though. I don't but... think he voiced him, but it's supposed to be a <laughs> character, I believe. Yeah, yeah. All right. So next question for you, Fredo. Real garbage was used in A New Hope's trash compactor scene. Hmm. I'm going to go with false. It is true. Oh, okay. I missed one. The the garbage used in the scene smelled so bad that Mark Hamill burst a blood vessel in his face trying to hold his breath. That's that's way too much. You know, they were trying to hurt him. (laughs) <laughs> all right so next next question for you aaron 
Mace Windu wielded a purple lightsaber to represent the balance between the light and dark sides of the Force. I'm, I'm going to go with false. It was just because Sam Jackson just wanted a purple lightsaber. <laughs> it is false, um, but it was also... He wanted a purple lightsaber, but the story behind why he wanted a purple lightsaber, he wanted to stand out because he was worried that the crowded battle, he would just sort of blend into the background. So I'd never heard that before, that there was an actual rationale behind it. Just look cool. I know that, you know, people have made it their own headcanon that that's why it was purple was, you know, his balance between, you know, light and dark, but yeah. So uh, next question for Fredo, um, Peter Cushing, who played Grand Moff Tarkin in A New Hope, yeah. wore slippers during many of his scenes. That is true. That is it true. Is true. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun little detail. He found the costume boots too uncomfortable. So. And if you notice, most of his shots are either medium high or just his face. I was say, so you know, he's he's just, maybe he's he just didn't poor. wear pants, you know, it could be. Yeah. His... The slippers are actually on display in England's White Stable Museum. So there you go. So, all right, we're at question no, number that, four. That's what you want right. to do. You want to you do something so good that your own slippers end up in a museum. <laughs> So the next one, next statement: You can exchange Star Wars coins as legal currency. I'm just out. Oh, true, right? I mean, like you almost like have to guess. It, that sounds stupid enough to be true. So, yeah, no, exactly right. It it is true. Say, um, they say where else? because and what I've got you like these power of the force coins. I've got a bunch of them right now. Can I cash those in for like Bitcoin or something? The small South Pacific nation of is it Niu, which is associated with New Zealand, mints coins with Star Wars characters on one side oh. and Queen so, Elizabeth II on the other. So not and not the power of the force coins. Okay. The retail value of those items is far superior to what they are worth in currency. So you probably, if you ever get your hands on one, you'll want to hold on to it. So a lot like Bitcoin. <laughs> All right. So next one, David Lynch was asked to direct Return of the Jedi. This is true. It is true. He was one of like three guys who was supposed to be looked at for that movie. And he turned Lucas down? To go make Dune. He said he said at the time that he didn't like science fiction mm -hmm. as, as his excuse for turning the film down. And then he goes and he makes Dune. So <laughs> go figure. Uh, just imagine. Alternate universe. David Lynch's Return of the Jedi. So I think... Uh, um... We got two more questions. Oh, here. two more questions. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still ahead, Aaron? Yeah, yeah he's, I'm, he's, I'm up, still up, he's up four to three. So he's got to score to this one. He's got to score this one to win. All right. This one is for all the marbles. The costume department borrowed some duds from Doctor Who. And they're not saying which movie. But uh, I will tell you it was back in the uh, original trilogy days. 
Oh, it was okay. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say false. I know that they borrowed some stuff from other movies, but I'm not gonna say Doctor Who is too specific. So, Bosk donned a yellow jumpsuit first worn by a character in the Doctor Who serial, The Tenth Planet. See, I thought that I didn't think that's the one I was thinking of. I didn't think that was Doctor Who. All right, well, we're tied up, Fredo. Yeah, well, no, we're not. I gotta, oh, I gotta you get gotta, this one right. Well, see, I have faith that's that you're a, gonna get this one right, and then we're gonna be tied up. All right, up. you gotta get this one and right. I did, to tie I did not up. throw that, by the way. I, I thought that was from a different movie. All right, okay, so this is worded oddly, so make sure you understand the question before I uh, okay. before you answer it. Every non-English language spoken in Star Wars is fictional. Every non-English spoken language in Star spoken in Star Wars is fictional. I'm gonna go with truth. Oh, it is false. false. Yeah. Oh, I think, wait, the, I think the Jawas use uh, um, some actual language. The the uh, the uh, example they listed here was Ninyam, which uh, he uttered a phrase in a Kenyan language wow. in uh, in Return of the Jedi. Well, he snuck that in because I don't even remember that. But okay. So that means final tally is Aaron four, Fredo three. So no, what I was what I was thinking about with this. Okay, so we had the. I think what the next time. I, I think I think we need to have a we need to have a a, a photo negative of this uh, episode, and it's like the least important or the the <laughs> the biggest the biggest forehead slappers, you know, of moments in in all of Star Wars. Um, you know, we, 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 we're very positive about star Wars, you know, but I think there's, we have to admit that there are some things that's like, what, what in the heck? So like, like putting in the emperor's scream and, Empire and so, the- yeah. So, okay. So maybe no, don't, don't show your hand, but I think maybe we need to do that. And it doesn't, maybe have an to be, doesn't have to be, maybe just a segment of one. Let's just, you know, come back and, you know, what are the big head slappers of why did they put that in, leave that in whatever. Um, so think about that one. Um, so I, so I tell you, Who Dat Jedi podcast listeners, you have homework to do. You need to hit us up on Twitter and let us know what your favorite, greatest, most important Star Wars moments are. Let us know. Um, and then you also have to tell us who you think is the Luke Skywalker moment for WandaVision, if you're watching WandaVision. What are, what are your theories? Um, so the, there. So now you have it. Yeah. If you ever wondered what can I say to these guys or how can I talk to them on Twitter? There you go. Um, so I've given you homework. So, but until the next week, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, I didn't get a rump out of that guy. <laughs> you give the, you give the, mayor the, give the governor a harumph. Uh, but anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Be good. My